0: Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B,
1: here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? It's the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Hope this finds you well. It is a glorious day over here on Airline Drive as we come to you from Studio B over at the campus of the Pelicans and the Saints. I'm Sean Kelly. This is the Black and Blue Report. As we mentioned, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans We've got a lot to talk about here on this Tuesday, and we're glad that you're alongside as we recap another Pelicans win last night as they took down the Brooklyn Nets in overtime, 109-104. That's three straight now for the Pelicans and three straight over the East and not just the East, but three playoff folks from the East. First Atlanta, then the Miami Heat, and then last night the Brooklyn Nets, the best record in the East since January one. Took overtime, but man, it was a lot of fun last night as the Pelicans completed their second-largest comeback in franchise history. That's right, they were down 22 points and got that thing to overtime, go on to win by five, 109-104. So we're going to recap that game here in just a moment. Of course, they have got the NFL owners meetings going on in Orlando, and John DeShazer will uh, rejoin us here on this Tuesday, give us a full report of what's happening this morning in Orlando he uh, talked to several NFL coaches as the AFC coaches spoke today and will uh, give us an update on whether or not any rules were voted upon over in Orlando today. Todd Graffinini is our guest a bit later in the show. We'll turn our attention to college baseball, LSU and Tulane tonight at Greer Field at uh, Turchin Stadium as the Green Wave and Tigers renew that rivalry. Should be a good one tonight. And then we'll wrap up the show here on this Tuesday with some final thoughts. Back to that basketball game for just a moment. Last night, the Pelicans improved their overtime record to 5-0. and That's the best overtime record in the NBA. And while they have uh, asked a lot of Tyreek Evans and Anthony Davis, those two guys answered again. Davis last night didn't get to uh, 28 points to uh, run his streak to 9 straight in that category, but he did get 24 points and 14 rebounds. That's his 37th double-double of the year. And then Tyreek Evans set a new season high last night with 33 points, 10 rebounds. That's his ninth double double. Then he was a huge factor, especially with 14 points in the third quarter. Let's let you relive some of the highlights from last night as we'll play our highlight pack from the Pelicans and the Nets here on Black and Blue Report. Jelenevich, long three, no good. Long rebound for Rivers. And Rivers is going to push it up the floor. He's going right to the rack. Layup now. Dunk follow out of nowhere by Davis. Take care of the women and children, 21 to 18. Allen Anderson throws it in. Williams catches, leaves weak side. Gutierrez rises point blank. He missed it, rebound Brooklyn. Over to Williams, corner left for three and he got it. Minus one headset here shortly, apparently. 47 to 32, Brooklyn's on the ice here a bit. Evans throws over the top to Roberts. Ooh, he thought about another three. Drives off the right angle to the top of the key. Hits Ajinsa, rolling, catching a dunk with the right hand. Hammered at home, timeout Brooklyn. The Pelicans have cut it to eight. Evans has it way out front court left, four along the baseline for the Pelicans, six, five. Evans left of a high middle screen by Ajinsa, still above the arc, two, one, for three. Bang and one, and one, possible 4 point play. Here at the end of the third quarter. Well, well, well. Rose to Evans, left of the key. Guarded by Joe Johnson. Evans turns to face the top side of the lane. Drives, climbs past Plumley, reaches and scores. He can't be stopped here in the second half. The Pelicans grab their first lead since 9 11 left in the first quarter when it was 7 5. Now Brooklyn can tie with the three. Pierce drives, left side of the lane to the baseline, throws out when he left to Joe Johnson, dribbles from the top of the key. Back to Pierce, angle left for the three, and ties it. 98, 98, seven, six, five. They'll put two out on Evans, between the range, throws to his left, angle left, Morrow, rises for a contested two, and the win, and he missed it off the back of the iron. We're going to overtime, in New Orleans. 15 to shoot, throw to Davis, left of the key, turns, Swings it in front of Plumley Beats it. Evans. Wing left. Double team. Throw it up top. Morrow for three and another one. Anthony Morrow with his second triple in overtime. Makes it 109, 102, and you start to feel real good now. Looking, looking, throws it into Johnson near sideline. Goes up top, Williams went to go look for a three. Fires, he missed off the back of the rim. Rebound slipped past two Pelicans. Williams for three again, angle left. Missed that long ball, two, one, this is over. Pierce fires and misses at the buzzer, and the Pelicans win in overtime. What a finish. Defense saves the day for the Pelicans in the end. All right, so that's a little taste of the Pelicans' 30th win of the season last night. They'll try and make it four in a row. They have yet to win four straight this season, and I think this will be the third try they get, but they'll host Chris Paul and the Clippers tomorrow night. Still to come, John DeShazer from Orlando, Tom Graffinini talking college baseball, Tulane and LSU specifically. And up next, we'll uh, go back to the locker room, where we'll talk with Tyreek Evans about last night's win at the Smoothie King Center.
2: Check out All-Star Anthony Davis and the Pelicans at the Smoothie King Center as we host some of the NBA's most exciting teams during this March homestand. Don't miss Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and the L.A. Clippers on Wednesday, the 26th, and the Utah Jazz on Friday, March 28th. Tickets are available for these all-star packed games for as low as $11. So call 504-525-HOOP or visit Pelicans.com to get your seats today.
3: I'm Pelicans forward Jason Smith. Every day, one in six Louisiana households are at risk of hunger. I'm attorney Morris Spark, and Everyday Second Harvest Food Bank helps thousands of our local neighbors in need. That's why I'm teaming up with the New Orleans Pelicans to ask you to join us in the fight against hunger. Text the word Pelicans
4: to 80088 to join the Second Harvest family, and you will also have a chance to win autographed Pelicans
3: gear, floor seats to a game, and much more. Join us, because together we can
1: solve hunger.
5: This is Pelican forward, Tyreek Evans, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report.
1: I think I mentioned on the air last night after the broadcast that this team right now is, is really showing us um, a glimpse of what perhaps is to come, but certainly at this point of the season, with the playoffs now out of the picture for the Pelicans, this is a team worth watching right now. We already knew that about Anthony Davis, but there are others stepping up and giving us great nights, especially at home. Here in late March. Boy, it sure was a lot of fun again as the Pelicans won in overtime last night. They've won three in a row. And uh, following the ball game, as we usually do on the radio network, we visit courtside with one of our stars of the game. This is my visit with Tyreek Evans after he poured in a game-high 33 in helping the Pelicans to a win over the Nets. Tyreek Evans, star of the game tonight with a new season-high 33 points and his ninth double-double of the year with ten rebounds joins us courtside. Congratulations, Tyreek. What a ball game.
5: Man, it was. I mean, uh, we never give up. Uh, they came in first half. You know, they pushed us around. They smacked at the ball. We didn't get caught. You know, um, I got on the rest a little. Coach got on us at halftime. You know, and, uh, we picked it up. You know, my, 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 mom, my main thing was to try to pick it up, you know, and uh, keep playing my game, and that's what I did what
1: happened at halftime you said coach got on you guys a little bit what about maybe he, in particular
5: he got on us i mean uh you know when we was up there you know they pushed us around you know got on us the first half you know and uh you know we're not that type of team you know we're young but we still gonna fight you know and so second half i went out and attack you know did what i did you know finding guys and just trying to play hard you know we played together the team you know it was a great team win i don't know if you're aware or not you had 14 in the third quarter how about that yeah definitely I mean, i was in attack mode i mean uh they was talking trash you know, we wasn't backing down. You know, we ain't going to back down from nobody. You know, we in our home court. You know, and uh, we did a good job, you know, finishing the game our strong. It was, a, it was a great win for us.
1: Tyreek, it's the second largest comeback in franchise history. You're a part of it tonight. You you guys had a look at the end of regulation. Was it um, was it okay? Did you feel okay going to overtime, or did you feel a bit down because you couldn't finish in regulation?
5: Uh, I mean, uh, I knew we was going bad. I mean, it's, it, was a, it was a new game, you know. But Amos said it the best on the bench. You know, he said we got to win this game. You know, it don't matter how we do it, but we got to win. You know, we, we found the way to do that as a team. We got stopped. You know, B-Rod hit big shots. Amo hit big shots. You know, they, they helped when I was bringing the ball up. I found guys, you know, and everybody played big tonight, man. It was a good team win.
1: Tyreek, I don't need to tell you this because I think you already know. Most people around this league have pretty much written you guys off for the season. And here now you've won three straight. You've knocked off three Eastern Conference playoff teams and are playing your best basketball here in late March.
5: Uh, Definitely, man. Uh, I just got comfortable. Um, it was tough you know, up and down, you know, coming in, you know, coming off the bench, trying to figure things out, you know, thinking a lot, you know, but I, I got it down, you know, I'm playing good good basketball, you know, and hopefully so I can keep it up for the rest of the season and uh, carry it on to next year. All right, one more thing. You all uh, give one back to a team that pushed
1: you around a little bit in February in Brooklyn. That Clipper team's done some pushing around, too, and now you get them on Wednesday.
5: Yeah, definitely. Uh, we got to be ready for that, man. Uh, Blake and those guys, they came in, you know, they've they been uh, handing this to us, you know, every, every time we, we've been playing, you know, but... Uh, you know, we, we can't back down, you know, on Wednesday. We got to you know start from the beginning, you know, and, uh, you know, compete. You know, that's what we do best.
1: Well, thanks for a thrill, ride tonight. And as always, appreciate your time. Congratulations, Tyreek. Thanks, appreciate it. All right, so that's Tyreek Evans uh, before he even went to the locker room last night after he dumped in uh, 33 to the Pelicans' win over the Brooklyn Nets. Again, a great night at Smoothie King Center last night. It continues, the fun that is, and this home stand tomorrow night when the uh, Clippers come to town. 7 o'clock tip-off tomorrow night, 504 hoop or Pelicans.com to get your tickets to see if the Pelicans can make it four wins in a row and continue this uh, run of great play that they've exhibited over the last three games and really dating back now two weeks or so under head coach Monty Williams. Let's turn our attention to football here on the Black and Blue Report. As we mentioned, John DeShazer still to come from Orlando with an update from the NFL owners' meetings And speaking of owners, just a short time ago, John visited exclusively one-on-one with Saints and Pelicans owner Tom Benson. So before we bring John into the program today, let's play that visit recorded just a short time ago in Orlando between John and Mr. Tom Benson.
3: Mr. Benson, you're here at these meetings, but we know the meetings in Atlanta in a couple of months in May. Probably will mean a little bit more to New Orleans anyway. That's when the 2018 Super Bowl is going to be awarded. Uh, Just give us your thoughts about how important it is for New Orleans to get another Super Bowl.
6: Well, first of all, you know, uh, we're prepping for that right now. Uh, You know, we got Rita with us and Dennis and Mickey. So we're all uh, patting a little on the backs and looking forward to that meeting out there and how important it's going to be to New Orleans. Everybody knows that. And, of course, everybody knows that they love New Orleans, you know. they got to be careful, as they tell me, we, we don't come back every year. <laughs> well, it's not not quite that much. But they love to come to New Orleans, and I think that uh, we're in good shape to get it. You know, you can't ever tell what will happen. But as far as I can see, we're in good shape to get that Super Bowl.
3: Now, this offseason, the Saints have, again, done a nice job in terms of getting free agents on Somehow or another, Mickey Loomis and those guys find ways to create uh, yeah, I know. space to get players for the team. Talk about how you, you feel about the off season and, and how the team has improved.
6: You know, first of all, uh, Mickey and the group, they, they work all year on it. You know, it's just not at the last minute or anything. The season isn't over when they already involved a great deal in what they're planning to do and what they're going to do. and. Or at least as soon as it's over anyway, and that uh, I think uh, we got a group of people there that are really dedicated to bringing us uh, better players, uh, you know, or, or in some cases a need. Uh, so, um, we're really looking forward to a great season.
3: Now, finally, the Saints are going to be splitting training camp this year between uh, New Orleans and also West Virginia. And talk about that move. You know, obviously the Saints have great fans in New Orleans, but this is an opportunity to kind of spread the wealth and expand the fan base also.
6: Yeah, well, you know, we're not going to be going that long. And uh, so we're going to take care of our New Orleans fans. You know, they're most important to us. But we think it's going to be a good thing for the team. The first two weeks are very hard, uh, and they'll be where they – Isolated, dedicated to what they're doing and I, I think it's going to be good for our club and that's the main reason why we're going. Only other re- we're not going for any other reason. The people that run that uh, resort deal or whatever you call it, uh, it's um, very good to work with. And it's an ideal spot. Weather's ideal. We hope, <laughs> 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 And that's uh, going to make us, we're we looking forward to it, helping us be a good team. So
1: well, that's a big highlight of our show today, Mr. Benson, and a whole lot more still to come from the NFL owners' meetings where John DeShazer is on the ground for NewOrleansSaints.com. We'll bring him in for his reaction to his visit with Mr. Benson and an update on all that's going on on this Tuesday. And we'll do so after a quick timeout.
0: Hey there, what you have?
7: Um, what kind of specials do you have today?
0: Well, tonight we're doing $2 benzene and tonics, $4 lemon arsenics, and $5 beryllium bombs. Wait, what? Those don't sound like drinks. They sound like types of poison. Well, it's a fine line. Besides, this is a smoky bar. What do you think we're all breathing in right now?
2: Uh, I don't know. Nicotine?
0: Listen, I'm gonna hook you up. You're not really living until you've had a formaldehyde martini.
7: Yeah, I'm going home. Secondhand smoke does more than just stink. It costs Louisiana thousands of lives and contains dozens of harmful chemicals that lead to things like emphysema, heart disease, and lung cancer. Learn what's being done to protect all Louisianans in bars and gaming facilities at letsbetotallyclear.org.
0: Follow us on Twitter at Black Blue Report.
1: Well, we just heard from John DeShazer moments ago in his one-on-one visit with Saints and Pelicans owner Tom Benson at the NFL owners' meetings in Orlando. And as promised, we bring in John DeShazer. He's on the ground in Orlando, covering for New NewOrleansSaints.com. John, nice visit with Mr. Benson. How was he this morning?
4: Yeah, he was in great spirits. Uh, you know, bubbly, as, as he often is, and uh, pretty chatty.
1: He seemed rather optimistic about the prospect of a Super Bowl returning in 2018, didn't he?
4: Well, yes, he does, and I mean, you know, really, he understands, as most owners will tell you off the record or on the record, they like New Orleans as a Super Bowl city, and they want, if there were a permanent rotation, they would want New Orleans to be prominent in that permanent rotation. They have no problems with coming to New Orleans, they know. The hotel uh, space is going to be available. They understand that proximity is huge and it's very, very conducive to having a Super Bowl in New Orleans where everything's within walking distance, you know, right around the Superdome. So they really enjoy it. And Mr. Benson feels like the city is going to put on a great show and, and is going to be awarded the uh, Super Bowl and, for, for 2018.
1: It's already going to be a big year here in New Orleans in 2018. That'd be a huge piece. Of a great celebration. John, I'm glad you could join us here on Black and Blue Report. I know you're really busy. Set the scene for us here on this Tuesday at the NFL owners meetings. What's been going on?
4: Well, this morning, they just had a a lot of meetings, uh, really a committee meeting. And the the true votes on potential rules adjustments and, and bylaw modifications won't happen until Wednesday, tomorrow. So we'll learn then about whether You know, there's going to be a vote to extend the the goal post, you know, five feet higher so that you can better tell, you know, whether field goals are successful or not, or or whether or not the uh, line of scrimmage for the two point convert, for the uh, PAT, excuse me, the point after is going to be moved back from the two to the 25 and make it a more competitive play. You know, because uh, it's about a 99.6% success rate kicking PATs right now, and they want to make it a little bit more of a competitive play. And it might make it uh, more conducive to teams, you know, going for that two-point conversion from the two-yard line, because basically you can go 50% and achieve the same success rate, (laughs) basically, as you will kicking two PATs from 42 yards out. So. You know that that will be a lot to think about, and especially for a team with an offense as good as the Saints, if you want to put them on the two-yard line and say, you know, go for two. Well, if you can if you can be successful, you know, seven seventy, eighty percent of the time, that's going to be really, really, you know, effective for your offense. So, you know, those rules changes will be discussed and voted upon uh, tomorrow, Wednesday.
1: I know that's certainly on the mind of uh, Saints general manager and executive vice president Mickey Loomis. You visited with him, and I want to play that here. On the black and blue report, um give us an idea of what we're going to hear here in your visit with mickey.
4: Well, he'll be talking a little bit about uh, potential rules changes, but also uh about you know what the saints have done this offseason and, and how he feels uh, the team has has a, addressed their needs and how they've approached this offseason. You know, they were pressed against the salary cap, and yet were able to to sign the Jarris bird, so, you know, the biggest free agent safety on the market. So, you know, he'll be talking about that. And also about the split uh, training camp between West Virginia and New Orleans and the thought process that went into that.
1: All right, let's listen into that now. Here's John DeShazer in Orlando today for NewOrleansSaints.com, visiting with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. And, Mickey, obviously some rules modifications and bylaws changes possible ones are top of the list at this
3: meeting. Any stand out to you?
8: Well, you know, there's a number of proposals uh, relative to instant replay that are interesting, and, and uh, it'll be interesting to hear the discussion tomorrow about that. Um, there's – there's uh, um, well, I'm trying to remember everything that's on the agenda. Obviously there's some rule changes that have to do with, uh, you know, clear recoveries, unfumbles, um, there's uh, some other things like extending the goalposts uh, in order to more uh, accurately reflect whether a field goal was made or not made, if it goes over the top of the goalpost. So there, there's some things that, that uh, you know, are interesting. I don't, I don't know if there's anything that is uh, very dramatic outside uh, of the uh, instant replay changes.
3: Now, here it is. You guys are up.
8: It's all right.
3: Yeah, <laughs> did i A did. Reel. do not put
8: please. put that put up it. on the board
3: what the hell was that okay okay let's back up <clears throat> Sorry about that. You, that okay.
8: Okay. okay
3: okay all, all right. right we, we can questions? just okay we can go to the next then. okay now this all season obviously the franchise has made several moves uh, people thought you were really, really pressed against the cap, and yet you were able to get Jarris Bird, the top free agent, safety on the market. Let's talk about your assessment of what the team has been able to do this offseason.
8: Well, uh, you know, first of all, we were pressed up and are mm-hmm. pressed up against the cap, so that's, uh, that's accurate. Um, but, you know, each year we've been able to, you know, try to find a few things that we can do to improve our team, and uh, we're able to do that again this year. Um, you know, the thing about being pressed up against the cap, I think more than anything else, uh, it just reduces your margin of error. And so we've got to be accurate in, in our assessments and our evaluations of the players that we bring in. We've got to be accurate and, in, and in, uh, how they can help us. Um, and, you know, hopefully we are um, each year, you know, we go into an off season and we've got 19 or 20, you know, action items that we need to accomplish uh, in our view. And, um, you know, we've been able to hit on a number of those things. A lot of them involve uh, bringing our own players back. Um, we've been able to do that with Zach Streif and, and uh, you know, several other guys, Ramon Humber and, and some other uh, players. But uh, and we've still got some work to do in that area. But signing that uh, Jaris and, and uh, Eric Lorig, I think will uh, you know hopefully improve our football team. That's what that's what, what our uh, you know that's where our intention was.
5: Now
3: you've spoken previously about how emotional it. Is. It, how emotional it is to have to part with players who have been with the program for a certain amount of time, but I guess the flip side is how pleasing is it to be able to agree to terms with guys like Zach Streif and Pierre Thomas?
8: Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, those two guys in particular have been with us since uh, you know, 2006, 2007 and, and uh, you know, both of them have, have what I would call come the hard way. Um, the seventh round pick in Zach's case and, and uh, undrafted free agent in Pierre's case. And and they've been you know significant contributors, great players, and great people for us. Great representatives of the Saints in in uh, um, you know in the city and in, 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 in our state. And uh, you know they'll they'll you know live forever in, in uh, Saints lore. And it's just it's just real good to see that uh, that their time you know with the Saints isn't over. It's going to continue.
3: Now the Saints have chosen to, to split training camp this season between New Orleans and West Virginia. Talk about the thought process that goes behind a decision like that.
8: Well, you know, we've got a couple things involved with that. Um, you know, the first is, and, you know, one thing that, uh, that I believe in and Sean and, and I have talked about a lot is that every so often, every three or four or five years, you know, we need to change things up and do things a little differently. Change venues, if you will, for training camp. I think that in interjects uh, an energy and and uh, uh, a newness to to uh, uh, you know training camp period, and, and I think that helps our football team. Um, you know, the other part is, and, uh, you know, I think it would be good for us to get out of the extreme heat um, for a training camp or two uh, or three, and, and see what kind of effect that has on our football team. Um, so you know, we've got those two factors uh, that, have, that always exist, and you know, we, we started talking about uh, the Greenbrier uh, a few years ago, three or four years ago, and you know, because of circumstances, we, we didn't make a change prior to this, but uh, all those elements fell in place this year, and so we're looking forward to going there and, and spending the first half, half of our training camp there. And then we'll have an open training camp uh, when we return. Our fans will get uh, a great opportunity to see our team practice and prepare for this upcoming regular season when, when we uh, when we get back.
3: Uh, Mickey, we also know that one of the possible rules modifications that is being talked about will be moving the PAT yard line back from the two yard line to the 25, basically a 42-yard extra point attempt. What are your thoughts on that?
8: Well, you know it's interesting because you know my first reaction would be ah, we don't want to do that. And yet, when you start looking at, uh, you know, some of the statistics, um, the frequency or the infrequency of a missed PAT, you know, we were, I think, at 99.6% last year, and it's been hovering around that 99% uh, uh, percentile for a number of years. So it's really an automatic play. Uh, um, and so there's there's some discussion about changing that from an automatic play to something that... that uh, um, you know, is more exciting and, and may impact the game, you know, at, at some level. When you look at, historically, the statistics, um, even on field goals, if you go back to 1966, for example, the uh, um, the accuracy from 50 yards and out was negligible, and now it's, you know, 67%. So, the, you know, obviously the kickers in our game have become much more proficient, much more accurate, and so, I you know, I would say we're open-minded in terms of, you um, you know, making the extra point a play that has at least some uh, element of of uh, uh, or any, some impact in the game. Um, you know, a field goal currently of 42 yards, I think 40 yards is roughly an 80-85% uh, proposition, maybe even a little higher than that. So at least there's the opportunity, uh, you know, not to gain that point, and and that may cause you know more two-point conversions, which I think is an exciting play in our game. So um, it's going to be talked about and discussed, and, and, and I'm interested in, in other viewpoints.
1: All right, so there's J.D.'s visit with Mr. Loomis this morning. Also speaking today at the NFL owners' meetings were, um, I guess what, John, the AFC coaches went today?
8: Yeah, the
4: AFC coaches went today. The NFC coaches will go tomorrow morning.
1: Sean Payton will be a part of our black-and-blue report tomorrow uh, as a result of that. Uh, today, though, John, I know that you uh, – you got a chance to visit with uh, several different coaches, and certainly uh, Jerris Bird's impact uh, of, of signing with the Saints is felt by those that either coached him or coached against him in the AFC. Uh, give us a, I want to play a little, uh, a little uh, uh, collection of some of those sound bites. Um, who are we going to hear from here?
4: We'll hear from Dennis Allen, the uh, Oakland Raiders coach. He used to be the secondary coach for the Saints, a uh, guy who has evaluated Jaris Bird over the years. Also, uh, the New York Jets coach, Rex Ryan, you know, Rob Ryan's twin brother, uh, Saints defensive coordinator, Rob Ryan. So he has some great things to say about Jarrett's Bird. And Miami Dolphins coach, Joe Philbin, also. I liked him. You know, I, I, I thought he was a really good player. I think I think we'll talk about, about uh, Jarrett's Bird, uh, who actually, you know, either coached him, that, as uh, Doug Marone. We also spoke to him, but Micky we Or guys and, who and played and against Ryan. him in I the AFC. They do a really good
3: job in personnel acquisition, and, and they kind of they do a really good job of identifying exactly uh, the player that they want that fits you know, what they need. So, um, you know, I was, I I, I thought the player was a good player and I thought it was a good acquisition for him. Man, I'm glad,
0: you know, I'm I'm glad they picked him up. He's out of our division. I'm also glad for my brother. He's, uh, he, he should do a tremendous job there teaming him up with, uh, I probably can't even say, I'm not going to, I'm not supposed to talk about anybody else's players, but, uh, I, I guess it's okay to talk about my twin brother, but he'll, uh, they'll do a great job there. Their defense is, uh, Probably the most improved defense in the history of the National Football League. Uh,
6: so there's some encouraging sights, you know, uh, things going on there. Very productive football player. He's very instinctive. Uh, his play speed is very good, and uh, you know he can he can kind of make those impact plays that everybody looks for. Well, I think he has great leadership to whichever team he goes to. I think he's a great pro, um, and I think his play speaks for itself. You know, he makes he's, you know he's a proven playmaker in this league. Uh, and, and he'll be very, very successful.
1: All right, John, you've had a very busy morning to say the least. Anything else on tap uh, throughout the afternoon at the NFL owners meetings, or do we kind of just get set for tomorrow at this point?
4: Yeah, I think we'll pretty much get set for tomorrow, unless something happens, uh, you know, drastic. I don't think I don't think anything else is going to happen. Most of the committee meetings have wrapped up. Uh, the coaches, in fact, have scattered, you know, to the to the north winds pretty much trying to figure out what they're going to do with the rest of the day. And I think the owners pretty much have retired for the day also. So, you know, basically we're done for this day and, and uh, all the big stuff will come out tomorrow.
1: One more thing to bring up with you, because I read this on Twitter a short time ago and you never know how valid things are, but um, one of the, I guess, more minor things uh, being talked about and perhaps even voted on already today is the fact that the NFL is going to ban dunking the football over the crossbar after scores and uh and then assessing a penalty if that's done that would certainly impact the Jimmy Graham and the New Orleans Saints and I can't say I'm a huge fan of the new rule if that's the case
4: yeah I don't I don't necessarily know if it's specifically on the agenda but it is one of those items that can be uh, brought to brought to fruition and it can be voted upon if it's you know put on the floor and and I think it was proposed by all, uh, of all people by the Falcons, and uh, ironically, I think that was the goal post that uh, Jimmy dunked in Atlanta, and uh, and and invented. And, bent it. and uh, now the funny thing about that is, of course, the Falcons had a player who would dunk the goal post. Also, that was Tony Gonzalez, who is now retired. So, you know, now that Tony Gonzalez is retired, they don't want you know the goal post to be dunked. <laughs> and so, yeah, <laughs> it'll, it'll affect Jimmy. It'll Yeah, it'll affect Jimmy's celebration, of course, but, uh, you know, if you get to the end zone another, you know, 14, 15, 16 times as he did last season, I think he'll figure out something else to do.
1: You know, all this is going to do is fuel the people who call the NFL the no-fun league, you know what I mean?
4: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, some things just ought to be left alone. I mean, they leave well enough alone. okay, the guy dunks a goal post, and one time he hangs on one, and, and yeah, he knows better than that. Well, I mean, certainly, I mean, one, they straightened out the goalposts. In fact, we were at that game, if I'm not mistaken, in Atlanta. So it's not like yeah. it, it, you know, took away from the game or anything like that. You know, the game was still played and everything was fine.
8: So I'll let these guys
4: have some fun. I mean, they have to they have to adhere to so many rules as it is, Allow them to be individuals sometime.
1: John, they had that goalpost in Atlanta, and you and I were both there. They had that goalpost straightened out in Atlanta quicker than the stupid television timeouts they take after kickoffs. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, it's so. not—it's
4: not like you know. It's not like he bent it permanently, and it couldn't be fixed. I mean, the thing tilted a little bit. They straightened it out, and the game went on.
1: Well, there you go. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day in Orlando, my friend. I know tomorrow we're excited because you'll—you'll uh, be with Coach Payton on the ground there in Orlando, and we're going to feature a lot of that on the Wednesday Black and Blue Report. So uh, rest up. You've got a big day with us tomorrow, my friend.
4: Will do. Will do.
1: John you're with us here from uh, the uh, NFL owners' meetings in Orlando on the Black and Blue Report. Our coverage of those meetings continues on NewOrleansSaints.com, and, of course, tomorrow here on the Black and Blue Report. Coming up next, we'll talk college baseball. Tulane and LSU renew their rivalry tonight, and we'll check in with the voice of the Green Wave, Todd Graffinini, right after this.
7: Every year, people whose statistics say would die from a serious health problem come to Auctioner and live. To us, nothing proves quality more than saving a life no one else could. In fact, on average, statistics say patients who come here are more likely to survive than at other hospitals in the state. Incredible outcomes aren't just happening at one hospital either. Seven of the top hospitals in the state for survival rates are auctioner. We are also Louisiana's only hospital ranked by U.S. News & World Report in eight different specialties. And number one in the country by care checks for liver transplant. It's no wonder people from all over the world come here. A higher quality of care. One more reason to choose auctioner. And with hospitals and health centers all over the region, connecting is as easy as finding the auctioner name. Learn more about why quality matters at auctionerquality.org. Auctioner, health care with peace of mind.
0: Want each show delivered right to your iPhone or iPad? Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching Black and Blue Report.
1: Black and Blue Report takes a turn to college baseball and why not? One of the rites of spring around these parts is when Tulane and LSU match up in their great baseball rivalry. That renews itself tonight at Greerfield Turchin Stadium over in uptown New Orleans. And with that, we welcome in the voice of the Green Wave and a good friend, Ty Graffinini. Morning, Graff. Morning, Sean. Good to
9: be on with you today. It's always a big day here in the state when we're talking about college baseball and these two teams getting going.
1: There really have been some great ones over the years, haven't there? I mean, look at this rivalry, which goes back, you know, over 200 meetings. Um, I I just, every time that I've looked at this game, I always have to throw records out. And I know that sounds so cliché. But it sure is a lot of fun and I know it gets a lot of folks fired up around the state as you mentioned.
9: No question. And and even, you know, when we're we've been down the last couple of years, there's no secret about that. But uh, it always gets the fans fired up and look, Sean, you've been a part of it too. I mean, do you go back to O two, I mean we're in the superdome and there's twenty thousand people there. Uh or twenty seven thousand. What am I saying? I mean that that broke the N C two A record. Uh we've had super regionals at Jeffer Field and 33,000 people in three three days. Uh, every time we played the ball uh, ball game in this new ballpark, uh, we've set records. So, you know, people want to see these two teams play, and uh, hopefully we'll give them a game tonight.
1: You know, the one place I didn't see the game was at Tulane. After I left, right. the ballpark finally got put back together and done right, and the series is now a campus uh, event on both campuses. But if uh, if I look if I looked back, and maybe I just need your help here. If you think about old Alec Box, the Superdome as you mentioned, uh, Zephyr Field, has there been a favorite venue for you where this series has been played?
9: Oh wow, that that's a great question. Um, boy, look, nothing will ever, in my mind, replace what happened at Zephyr Field in 01. I mean that that was one of the greatest. Events. Not we're not talking about, you know, college baseball. We're talking about events, uh, sporting or what have you, uh, in the state of Louisiana in the, in the history of the state. When, when those two teams got together, uh, for the right to go to Omaha, it would have been uh, Tulane's first ever college World Series. And of course, it was Skip Burtman who was his career was ending as the head coach. Uh, you're talking about the highest rated television broadcasts in the history of local television here, uh, that to me will never be equaled. Um, It it was just the perfect venue at the perfect time. When you talked about uh, the amount of tailgate space out there uh, at Zephyr Field and and the parking lots being, you know, you always hear when you're you're, you're talking about college football, Sean, uh, how many people stay in the parking lot uh, and not even go in the ball game? Well, it was the same case back in '01, but because people just couldn't get tickets. There was no way you were getting in that ballpark uh, unless you had a ticket. And, you know, there were 11,000-plus tickets. There was not a seat in the stands. There was not a seat on that levee in, in, in right center field. And you had thousands more in, in the parking lots all weekend long. So I guess for, you know, favorite venue, that's got to be it. Uh, as far as uh, the two teams meeting, but uh, it's been a lot of fun doing the games on campus because, like you said, you weren't here uh, when we actually played them back at the old Turgeon Stadium. But once Zephyr Field got built, uh, it, we were we played out there from '98 to '08. To it was it was a decade, so uh, it, it's nice to get them back here where you know fans now can tailgate out in right field.
1: There's no doubt. Hey, before we continue, I do have to ask you about Tulane head coach Rick Jones. Uh, the athletic department, I think, released a statement last night regarding coach Jones and his situation. Uh, what, what can you tell us from the university side on what's going on with Rick?
9: Well, it's just, again, uh, you know, I, I I can tell you this. I saw him Friday, Sean, and we were getting ready to play middle Tennessee and, uh, for the three game series And, and coach was here on Friday and he just did not look, he didn't look good. And he was actually just, he was sent home that day. He, he did not, uh he he did not coach the game. He was out the rest of the weekend. Uh I know he saw the doctor yesterday and 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 uh our doctor Greg Stewart said uh you're you're not ready to go back. So he's uh he's just uh, again really under the weather right now. And uh we know he's not going to be here tonight and we know he's not going to make the trip with us to uh West Virginia uh this weekend and uh, look, I know coach very very well. I've known him for 21 years. Um there is nothing he would rather do than then be here, uh, especially with, with a game like tonight. But he's just, uh, again, not, not healthy enough uh, right now to, to be out here. So, again, we're, we're thinking about him, and hopefully he'll be back very, very soon.
1: Well, we certainly wish him the best, but I'll say this. It'll be weird having the Tigers and the Greenies go at it tonight without the one constant over the last 20-some years, and that's Rick Jones. LSU's changed their coach. Players have come and gone, but over two decades now, the one constant is Rick Jones in this series.
9: No question. Going back to '94, and we had uh, we had a '94 team reunion uh, one week before opening day, and, and a lot of those guys and uh, came back, and, and we had a great time. As a matter of fact, you were you were there yesterday uh, for the show uh, where that reunion was at Desi Vegas, and and we had a great time, and you know that was a special special group and and coach jones has always talked about it that was the most fun he's ever had coaching a team because that was a bunch of seniors who had had a brand new coach they had no idea about how rick jones uh would, would come in and he basically turned those guys loose and they had fun playing ball they weren't worried about getting drafted or 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 or, or, or moving on as far as professional career they were just they were just playing and it, it was so much fun. And you think about it, that was my third year doing games, Sean. I was still, I was 23 years old at the time, so I was basically as old as those guys were. Uh, that was as much fun for me uh, as doing the games on the radio as as those guys were playing. It was just, it was a memorable year. And we actually wound up sweeping LSU that year, beat them in, beat them at the Old Church and Stadium. Scott Sidwell, who's now the Athletic director at San Francisco hit two home runs that night and and uh, outscored him, And Brian Gibbs got Todd Walker to pop up with the bases loaded and two outs in the ninth inning and and then beat him up there at Alec Box. And that really uh, really helped us uh, get to a regional that year. So yeah, no coach has been a part of uh, this game for all those years, and he it's just uh, it's going to be
1: very strange to not see him in the dugout tonight. You mentioned your age at that time. It, you know, isn't it, isn't it great how those kids never get old and and they all stay the same age, and all we do is get older. <laughs> no question. I yeah. I, I mean, yeah. look,
9: I I you know, if you look at the calendar, technically, I'm 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 old, you know, but I don't feel it. it it's uh, it, it's fun. I mean, look, we got great jobs, Sean. I mean, you you go you go to the uh, the arena every night, and I get to come to the ballpark or go to the arena or or, or, or the or the football stadium. I mean, I can't complain one bit uh doing what I'm doing and no matter what our record is, I'm 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 a pretty lucky guy and uh just fortunate to be a part of of games like tonight uh, you know on a on a yearly basis and then uh we'll, we'll uh, head out uh, on Thursday and, and go play a weekend up in up in Charleston, West Virginia. So I can't yeah. complain one bit.
1: That's the that's a that's an amazing factor in this series that both teams from different conferences always have to put their best foot forward against a rival but yet have to uh, get ready for their respective conference series on the weekend, all right, Graff. Here's a deep one for you. This one may okay. take you a second. Uh, think back over your twenty some years now uh, in this rivalry. Um, pick for me uh, an LSU player and a Tulane player that uh, sticks as the largest thorn in the other side. Johnny Kaplan comes to mind oh, for goodness. me on the Tulane side, but there's I know there's more.
9: Well, I can tell you this much, and and you know Cappy very very well, having uh, done a lot of his games. I can honestly say to this day, I have never heard a college baseball player booed in any environment other than Alec Box Stadium. That is the definition of thorn in the side. There's no doubt about it. Um, So I would say, yes, definitely Kaplan to LSU. As far as LSU to Tulane, boy, oh, boy. Um, I I can tell you one guy who just absolutely murdered us, and that was Eddie Furness. He was just, he, he, you know, when he left LSU and again, this is one of the greatest college baseball players to ever play. Um, you know, he, he left as the all time RBI leader in in, the, in SEC history. And he, he did not go into professional baseball. He just, he went to med school and, and became a, and became a doctor, but every year, and I believe Eddie's, senior year was 98, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, for those years early on, just to watch that guy hit, and we could never, ever get him out. And, you know, they had beaten us. I talked about the 94 team. We swept that series. We did not beat them again till the first game we ever played them in Zephyr Field in 98. And in that game, we had led the entire ball game uh, up until the ninth inning. Uh, we're up by one run, and Eddie Furness comes up with the bases loaded in the ninth and whacks a triple in the left center field. And all of a sudden, you blink, and we're down by two, and you're thinking, oh, my goodness gracious, they did it to us again. And then Jason Sparks came up in the bottom of the ninth and hit a three-run homer, and, and Tulane won the game. But, but that was Eddie Furnace to me in, in a nutshell, was just coming up in clutch situations like that and, and getting the job done. So I think, again, right off the top of my head, the first guy I think
1: of is Eddie Furnace no doubt. Good one there. Hey, let's wrap up our visit and kind of get in the moment here. LSU's off to a great great start at 24 and 1. Uh they're rolling. Uh Tulane meanwhile at 12 and 11. Give us a little preview of what what's to come tonight and uh and who maybe the major players are in this one. Well, hopefully Sean uh we can
9: get uh, enough innings out of Corey Merrill. Now I I'm I'm pretty 99.9% positive. I mean Merrill's going to pitch, we know that, but uh, just talking to Coach Suter yesterday at, at the show, uh, they're going to staff this one. You're going to see a bunch because, again, we got to fly up to to West Virginia on Thursday, and, and we got a pretty big weekend coming up against Marshall up there. So I think they're going to try to give as many guys an uh, in, inning as possible. And quite frankly, it's very difficult to hit when you come up every time and you see another guy. So I think ideally you, you'd like to see Merrill get you at least two innings tonight. And um, and possibly three, and then I think you'll see at least four or five more pitchers uh, for Tulane, and hopefully uh, in the back end of Kyle McKenzie comes in, uh, who has just been absolute lights out uh, in the back end of our bullpen this year. If McKenzie comes in, uh, we got a pretty good chance to win it. The the thing that I'm concerned about is are we going to score enough runs? Um, uh, I know Cody Glenn is pitching for LSU, and he has struggled, uh, but our lineup right now is just is just trying to find. A way to get some consistency we've got the kind of lineup Sean that you know you can see us bat around in an inning you know but send nine ten to the plate score four runs and then not get a hit uh, for four or five more innings and I've seen it this year a couple of times actually so it's just been very very inconsistent it's a uh, it's a young lineup they're still trying to gel uh, Richard Carthone has been our catalyst he's been our leadoff hitter all year long leads the team. With a three thirty batting average, he gets on base 47% of the time. When he gets on, we got a shot. Uh, Andrew Garner and Garrett DeChampton are going to have to come up big for us uh, in the three and four spots. And if those guys uh, are able to produce. We're going to have ourselves a chance here tonight. Cause, again, uh, as I sit in our radio booth tonight right now, Sean, the wind's blowing in. It's a, it's a gorgeous day, but it's going to be chilly here tonight. The wind's blowing in. The ball is not going to carry at all. So I would expect a low-scoring game here tonight.
1: Good enough. That's for sure. He's already in the booth. That's the voice of the Green Wave. Ty, <laughs> Ty Graffinini with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Uh, no, uh, no stranger to getting there early to the ballpark. That's for sure. Graf, uh, I hope you have. I hope you have a great call tonight, and uh, and we hope uh, for all of Southeast Louisiana college baseball. We have another memorable one to talk about tomorrow morning. Appreciate it. I
9: do too. And uh, Sean, great. Another great win by the Pels. Man, they are they're yeah. rolling. That's just, oh, it's been fun, fun last to watch the no last couple of weeks.
1: Hey, 12 to go. You never know what these guys are going to do. That's for sure. Hey, so
9: get on a roll. Get on a roll.
1: All right, Graf, take care. That's Todd Nini with us on the Black and Blue Report, and we'll wrap up today's program on this Tuesday after this.
9: Here's a valuable lesson I've learned as an Intergy customer. Saving energy saves you money. And the online videos at IntergySavings.com show you how. A few simple projects can make a big difference in your bill. In just a few hours, I knocked my monthly bill down by 20%. It was easy. From caulking windows to programming your thermostat, the Energy videos walk you through it. Visit Energysavings.com and start saving today. That's the power of people.
8: Entergy
2: there's no better time to join your pelicans as we take flight all-star anthony davis is taking his team to the next level and the pelicans are soaring to new heights 2014 15 season tickets are on sale now and start at less than 300 with lower bowl options as low as 37 dollars per game season ticket benefits include the best seat locations discounts on concessions and much more take flight with the pelicans for more info call 525 hoop or visit pelicans.com
0: today Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report.
1: Great show for you on this Tuesday. Well, I guess I'm patting myself on the back a little bit, but uh, certainly uh, patting uh, producer Daniel Salerson on the back too. Lots to stick in on this Tuesday, and I'm glad you were with us. This is why we do this podcast here for Saints and Pelicans fans. Well, we can recap a win last night like the Pelicans had against the New uh, New Jersey Nets. I, you know, I'm on, I, I didn't do it at all last night, but here I did today on the show. Uh, against the Brooklyn Nets in overtime last night, and then all the uh, happenings over in Orlando at the NFL owners' meetings. We provided uh, you with uh, some content today, no doubt about that. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. uh, Whether you're a Tulane or LSU fan, enjoy that baseball game tonight. Then we'll be right back here with you tomorrow. For another edition of the Black and Blue Report on the Wednesday show, David Wesley joins us to talk Pelicans and Clippers. And John DeShazer rejoins us from Orlando. And we'll hear from Saints head coach Sean Payton tomorrow as well. Looking forward to that. And again, thanks for joining us here on the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. I'm Sean Kelly in Studio B on Airline Drive. Saying so long for just a while.